0: Hello and welcome to the James Sheets podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message.
1: We spoke concerning the subject, the meaning of discipleship from verses 25 through 29 of this very same chapter. And that particular passage dealt with the requirement or the necessity of a disciple to follow the Lord wherever he would lead, wherever he might go. Whatever the consequences might be, if he said that we were to go, then we would go. But we were to, to mimic, to uh, demonstrate Jesus Christ to the people with whom we come in contact. People ought to see Jesus in us, in what we say and in what we do. That ought to be the object and goal of our life, is to cause other people to see Christ through us. All right, that was last week. This morning, let us look at verses 32 and 33 primarily. Next week we will continue with the same chapter and some of the other verses that we read. But 32 and 33 say, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father, which is in heaven. Pretty strong stuff there. If we want the Lord Jesus to go in before the Father and take our name to the Father, then we are responsible for taking his name to people. That would be the long and the short of it. The word confess becomes the, the key word in the message this morning and the key word in verse 32 particularly, and then the opposite of it in verse 33 The words confess and the word deny, those two words are very important. A Christian needs to confess. Now normally when we talk about confession, we are talking about admitting something. And that's not contrary to what I want to primarily say, but let me preface the basic statement this morning. By saying we as Christian people need to realize that we need to confess, to admit our sin. Now this is a problem for most of us in that we don't want to admit to each other or to God that we have made any mistakes. We want everybody to look at us as a perfect specimen and we're not. If there was a person who could stand in this congregation this morning and say, I have not sinned this last week, I would look down at you with skepticism this morning because I would not believe that. And if any of you would look look up here at me and Take such a statement from me if I would say I didn't sin all week. I stand very sanctimoniously before you this morning, spotless and perfect in all ways. You know I'd be lying to you. Because we're all human beings and we're not capable of this kind of life, that's why we need a Savior. So we need to come before each other at times And confess to each other our faults and our failures. But most importantly, we need to confess our sin to our God. And go before him continually, acknowledging our weakness, our sins, and our failures. As we oftentimes say to each other, fess up. We need to fess up before God to confess that which is wrong and contrary to his life. Now remember, God knows. God already knows. He's just waiting for us to acknowledge that we know and that we want him to forgive us our sins. In the model prayer that the Lord gave his disciples, one of the phrases that he gave his disciples that was to be used as a model in their praying and in our praying is forgive us our sins. Or we use the word debts. Or we use the word transgression in one of the uh, scriptures. Forgive us our transgressions. But he put a condition upon asking for forgiveness. Forgive us as we forgive. That's the model. For the Lord is only going to forgive us in like manner as we have been willing to forgive. And if we hold bitterness in our heart, or hold something against our neighbor or our friend or our family member, our husband, our wife, our children, and will not forgive them, the Lord says, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. And so there is an obligation for us to live as we expect God to bless there is an obligation to forgive as we expect the Lord to take our prayers in before the Father and the Lord respond to our prayer. But the second point and the reason for the message this morning is the uh, meaning of confess to that being of proclaim or acknowledge or testify of that which we believe about Jesus Christ. Now here, brethren, we also fall short in that oft times we fail to take advantage of the opportunity provided us to really testify to the people that we come in contact of the faith that we have in Christ. This we ought to be conscious of and we ought to take opportunity to really let people know that we are Christian. I was courage for some of the things I heard in my Sunday school class this morning along this very line of those in that group who are letting people know that they're Christian, that they go to church. This is important. There ought not be a question in the mind of anybody with whom we associate as to whether we are Christian or not. If one must ask you, are you a Christian, There is reason then in your testimony for them to ask that question. I shall never forget as a young teenager in a revival meeting seeing the pastor get out of the pulpit and go to the back seat to a person that I knew was a member of the church. He was in my family. I did not hear the words, but I read the lips of the pastor, and the pastor asked this person sitting on the back seat, are you a Christian? I read those words, and the man responded, yes, I read his words. The thing that bugged me for many years, and now I know the answer, the question should never have been asked. Because there should have been no need for the question. The man should have, by his testimony, made proclamation of his faith in Jesus Christ. That he was known by what he lived so that the question need never be asked. Does your life and my life proclaim Jesus Christ by the way we live? Do we confess him before men? This is what we need to do. Back in 1885, in Uganda, three teenage boys, age 11 to 15, accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. It was against the law to become a Christian in Uganda in 1885, so they were arrested. They were bound, brought to trial, and condemned to death. Boys, 11 to 15. As they stood waiting for their execution, which was to be at a stake with fire, they sang what has come to be called the martyr's song The words, oh, that I had the wings of an angel, I would fly away to be with Jesus. That's what they said. As they stood, hands tied, as the fire was being prepared to burn them at the stake. One of the boys said this to his captors. Let me quote it exactly. He said, please do not cut off my arms. I will not struggle in the fire that will take me to Jesus. That's confession. The story doesn't stop there. It says that 40 adults watching that execution were converted to Jesus Christ that day. And from that day, as a testimony to that, untold thousands have been converted in Uganda because of three boys who confessed their faith even in death before the public. And all we're asked to do is confessing before men without fear of the stake. I cannot help but think of Job who confessed him before his friends, before all of society. Satan appeared in heaven on one occasion, and God said to him, where have you been? And he said, I've been down on earth going to and fro, and God said, did you observe my servant Job? how that he's righteous and upright and so on. Why did he mention Job? There were millions of people upon earth but one name got the attention of God because this one man was confessing before me. His name was well known. His name was on the lips of God continually. He was recognized in the courts of eternity as being faithful one who confesses his god i wonder if satan appeared in heaven today and god said where have you been and he said i've been down there on earth near the olive branch baptist church going to and fro Would God say, well, while you were there, did you observe my servant, and your name was used? Or maybe it would be something like Satan would say, I was observing so-and-so, and God would say, who? Is your name known? All of your names are known in this community. The the spread of your recognition is based upon your own personal life and your associates and where you live and what you do. But all of us have our circle of influence in which our name is known. The question is, what is known? Do the people with whom we associate recognize our name as one who confesses Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? There was a young man named Stephen who confessed Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior and as a result of his confession was stoned to death, so the scripture says. And as he was stoned to death, He prayed forgiveness for his uh, executors. And he said he looked up into heaven and he saw the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of the Father. Off to the side in the crowd was another young man named Saul who was holding the coats of those who were throwing the stones. Saul heard that testimony and it bothered him. It disturbed him because somebody had confessed Jesus Christ. It was a disturbing factor in his life. I want to tell you, you can disturb the souls of many lost people by confessing Jesus Christ in their presence. That's what we are to do. A little question that you raise in their mind as to what does it mean? Why are you so emphatic upon going to church? Why do you pray? Why don't you live the way you used to live? Why are you so dedicated to this person you call Christ? And you can answer that by your life. It will have an impact upon somebody standing on the sidelines. One day Saul met his savior on the road to damascus and became paul the great apostle because somebody confessed that he loved jesus christ more than all the world to the point of being executed this paul then becomes the mighty missionary and he and silas put in prison, their legs were in the chains, a miserable condition to be in, but the Bible says that they prayed and they sang. The jailer, sitting out front, heard it, an earthquake happened to come along and knocked off all of the doors and the chains were loose and the jailer figured that they had all escaped and he was about to kill himself. And Paul said, don't do yourself any harm. We're all here. And the jailer, who had not been witnessed to directly, he had simply overheard the singing of Christian people, came and fell down at their feet and said, "Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Then Paul had the opportunity to tell them. But the witness, the confession of Jesus Christ just by the singing was important. I was in the state penitentiary this past week. Spent six hours inside. I saw all the twenty or thirty of those men during that period of time, or six hundred of them. One guy came through the lunch line, and I sat purposely watching them. I just wanted to see their expressions and what they did. I don't know what the conversation was between the guard and this one prisoner, but I heard the response of the prisoner. And he said, I have no friend but Jesus. Let me tell you, I perked up. So I watched him. And I thought to myself, I'm going to see whether or not you're just joshing or you're serious. He got his tray and he went over and sat down at the table. He bowed his head. And then I knew he was serious. He was confessing before all men, although he didn't know it and did not intend it. It was a private conversation between the guard and himself. But he confessed to me, and he confessed to the rest who heard. I don't know of that man's history, But I know one thing about him. He believes in Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior as he serves his time and he demonstrated it by the way he lived that day. He never said a word to me. Many of the others did. Came over to complain about the food or complain about the treatment or or something. This young man had no complaints. He ate his food. Took his tray back, as any gentleman would do. Having no friend but Jesus. That's confession. Verse 33 says, Whoever shall deny me before men, him will I deny before my Father which is in heaven. Peter stood around that fire, at the trial of the Lord, and the Lord was in in the courtroom. The little girl asked him, Are you one of his? And Peter said, No. Second time he was asked, and he responded, I tell you, I don't know the man. And the third time he responded with a curse, Utterly and completely denying that he ever knew Jesus Christ the Savior. I don't know exactly when this all this happened, but I believe that Jesus came out of that courtroom just about that time. Remember, Peter said, Lord, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said, Peter, before this night's over, you're gonna have denied me three times. And the door opened, and Jesus walks out with that thorn of crowns on his head and the blood dripping down the side of his face, having been beaten and bruised. Nothing that he had done but for what you and I had done and for what Peter had done. Going through that agony for your sins and mine. And Jesus looked at Peter, their eyes locked. There's nothing worse on this earth than looking somebody in the eye whom you have betrayed. That is agonizing. If you've ever done it, you know what I'm talking about. Somebody you have denied, somebody you have abused, and they look you in the eye as if to say, why? Why did you do that? And here is Jesus. Just asking the question, why?